0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. It's Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, and today we're gonna be answering three questions we've been hearing from international educators over the last seven days. First up, what do open doors and SEVIS by the numbers data mean for our future in the United States? Second, how can universities in the Americas partner better? And third, is there a future for Chinese student recruitment? And we're going to answer these three questions and more today on the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. And thank you everybody for joining me. It's always a pleasure to come come to you live on Wednesday afternoons in our traditional 1pm slot Eastern Time to chat with you about the kinds of issues that are front and center in our minds as international educators in the United States so we are coming off international education week last week and this week being thanksgiving week a little bit shorter work week many of you are on holiday so you'll be listening on repeat uh, on podcast versions of this uh, roundup or uh, catching it when you're back in the office so those of you who are able to make it live to the to the sessions today and every wednesday i always appreciate you joining in the conversation when and if you can uh, as we do each week we we take a look at the kinds of topics that are really front and center in our minds about uh, our profession our international education profession because uh, we oftentimes are on our campuses are outliers uh, we're not seen as uh, always the first priority of institutions uh, in terms of how how we are uh, talked about uh, in the campus discourse how we are thought about when it comes to uh, when it comes to prioritization for budget, uh, when it comes to topics of uh, institutional strategic planning. So uh, our field is, can be very, fairly niche and feel very small in a lot of places. But when we come together at conferences and for International Education Week, we see our community really celebrating everything that we are as a profession in international education. And we can't do that without those students that we bring to campus that we've sent abroad and who have come back, our faculty from abroad that we celebrate on our campuses. And that's something I think is um, really symptomatic of and symbolic of who we are as international educators. We celebrate our differences, we celebrate Uh, the many things that bring us together in our profession uh, and with our students that we recruit, with the faculty we uh, interact with, with our administrators that are engaged and really want to uh, highlight everything that we do with international education. For those of you who are on smaller campuses or one-person offices fighting the good fight, I know you have your hands full. You have a very full plate during International Education Week, and I can't imagine being able to arrange a, a, a slate of events to keep your campus engaged uh, actively in what you're doing. But congratulations for getting this far. We're uh, really excited to be uh, chatting with you about this topic today uh, on, first up, why do op- what do Open Doors and SEVIS numbers mean for the future? And as I've been sharing out in my uh, post this week, coming off our newsletter, uh, obviously I always mention the newsletter at the top of uh, top of the show uh, because that that newslet- newsletter, I'm proud to say, for, uh, combined uh, with the uh, email version as well as the uh, LinkedIn version, we now have over fifteen hundred subscribers uh, that are getting. The newsletter every week, and that's uh, all the S M I E news fit to share. I've dropped the link to the uh, the S M I E Consulting org website slash subscribe, so you can. Uh, get the email version if you want. I'm also dropping the most recent LinkedIn version and email version of the this week's newsletter so that you can follow along and see some of the stories uh, that we're going to be covering. If you need those in your uh, inbox on Monday, go to the website. If you'd much prefer to get it through LinkedIn, follow the link to the most recent week edition. And next week, uh, you'll get uh, about 8.30 or so. Uh, on Monday morning, you'll get uh, Eastern Time, you'll get the link to uh, that or the notification that the new latest newsletter is out because we do take the themes we cover here on wednesday afternoons from those newsletters uh, from the themes of the stories that we see commonalities uh, around coalescing around certain issues we then make uh, three of those the topics of discussion for the wednesday chats so that first one obviously open doors is a huge event every year um, it's become and this is someone coming from someone who used to work at IIE who regularly went to the National Press Club to for the live uh, events obviously the live events kind of uh, stopped during COVID and now everything's uh, pre-recorded and, and and webcast out to everybody but uh, the realities of uh, this week International Education Week which took place last week uh, are always a signature uh, time in uh, the uh, academic calendar for international educators celebrating who we are. This uh, International Education Week, for those who don't know, started in 2000. One of the last uh, last things that the, uh, uh, the Clinton administration did is to uh, create, uh, had a proclamation creating International Education Week that became a regular State Department program, uh, highlighting uh, everything that the U.S. government is doing to bring students to the United States and send our students abroad. Uh, and it's also celebrated around the world at US consulates and embassies through EducationUSA offices uh, and celebrating who and what uh, uh, international education, international students, study abroad students bring to our country. So uh, the newsletters are great ways to highlight that, uh, highlight the news stories that we cover each week. And there's going to be three different, uh, three different things we'll, we'll highlight. Four, three or four things we'll highlight as part of this. First up, uh, as our good friend Karen Fisher over at the Chronicle uh, always does a great job around Open Doors uh, to highlight uh, the latest stats and facts, her takes on that, the interviews with uh, with uh, some of the key uh, stakeholders. But um, Open Doors for me, and I'll be very honest with you, again, having worked at IIE for a number of years uh, and really enjoyed those, uh, those events uh, at the National Press Club, uh, the the reality is the Open Doors data itself, the the, the annual report that is produced uh, through funding from from the Department of State, really has become less useful as a tool for planning. Uh, it's planning for historical data and all that. That's great, but the reality is it's year old data. Uh, the what happened was repl- reported last week is uh, is is uh, survey data that IIE collected from all, uh, well not all, and that's part of the problem. They don't get everybody in that mix. Uh, They don't, uh, not every, because every university, college that has international students is not required to fill that out, but it's a self-reporting tool that institutions complete to self-report their international students on campus. Uh, it's been heralded for many years, and I always called it when I was, when I was on campus back in the day uh, in the 90s and, and early 2000s, that was, that was one of the Bibles so that for international educators, for student recruiters, that you, you had to consult open doors to know where the students are uh, that you should be going after and developing plans around all of that. But uh, the reality is because it's year-old data, it's not very good in, in, in giving us a current sense of what's happening on the ground. Uh, they do have what, what they call a fall snapshot survey which does have um, uh, a survey from about, from institutions, 600 plus institutions that host generally 57% of all, uh, all international students enrolled in the US. They send out a survey that is filled out in the last couple of months, and then is collated and reported as part of this Open Doors activity. That's probably the most relevant in uh, current situation on the ground that uh, that data, that day uh, of the Open Doors report really provides us. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not the, it, again, it's not absolute uh, because it's not a requirement, requirement that institutions fill these out. Uh, they send it out to over 2,000, uh, 2,200, I think, uh, institutions, colleges, and universities that enroll international students, and then a subsection of that report back. Uh, there are over 6,000 plus. Institutions that are can and do uh, well, not all do, but uh, can accept international students that are, are not counted. Though they aren't going to be huge numbers, they can throw throw numbers off. And it also includes high schools that enroll students that ins, that are able to do that through SEVIS. Obviously, IIE's data is only post-secondary IEP intensive English programs uh, and OPT data across the board. So. That's what we're looking at. Uh, so the data is it, it, painting the picture of what that looks like, what that really means. Uh, I've put the links to uh, uh, Karen's newsletter to uh, NAFSA's uh, economic, uh, International Student Economic Value Tool, which is another uh, kind of a, uh, another companion to uh, the Open Doors report As NAFSA always releases uh, their economic uh, value tool for international students in terms of their contributions international students contributions to uh, the US economy and uh, this year first time since the pandemic we're back over forty billion dollars in terms of the net economic impact of international students to our economies our local economies our state economies our national economies so uh, it's always data that uh, when I, when I see those reports and uh, it, it is a huge it's a huge uh, huge lift for NAFSA to put this together, but they actually have it in this economic uh, value tool you can break it down and you should as institutions using that tool to break it down, get your congressional level data uh, down uh, where you can indicate you can find out okay for our for our. A congressional district. How, how, what value do international students bring? How many jobs are supported uh, by uh, the international students that enrolled in our congressional district? And that's something that, uh, for obviously, we, well, all of us as international educators uh, that are true, uh, that are in it for the right reasons in terms of the, the value that they bring to our campuses, in terms of cultural value, the, uh, the education that those students receive that they can then take back to their home countries and leave with hopefully positive experiences and good views of the United States. All of that is what we all want. Uh, there are some who make decisions based solely on financials in terms of the economic impact. And for what I love about the economic value uh, tool is it's not just tuition, tuition and housing dollars for, for campuses. It's about the money that students spend in the community uh, if they're in renting apartments or other things that beyond the the campus proper that their presence uh, helps support jobs and often jobs far beyond the international office uh, on campuses so this economic value tool has really helped uh, I think for those institutions and international educators who, who, whose uh, senior leadership only listen to dollars and cents, it's a great tool to have in your pocket as you ha- make the conversation. You always want to make first and foremost the, um, the cultural value and the, the good that it generates for the university globally, all of those things. but. Also, you want to have uh, you be equipped with the right tools for the right fight, right? You know, the right weapons for the right fight. And if you know you're talking to an audience that is uh, all dollars and cents, bottom line, uh, people in terms of what their what their expectations are, how many students bring in, what kind of revenue do they generate, this is a great starting point for you to have that, and that gives the that a, a broader perspective on the entire. Your entire as low as small as your entire congressional district so definitely worth having uh, having being equipped with that data so being up above 40 billion again is a, is a good sign I think the high was 42.7 back in 2018-19 that's kind of the watershed mark for our high watermark for international students in the US according to open doors data now uh, what to current numbers from SEVIS uh, report uh, SEVIS d- did a report in October uh, and I've just collated those numbers uh, and have have the have all of that listed. And for all visa categories, there are now 1.22 million international students, F M and J's in the. Or excuse me, F and F and M's in the United States right now, as of October. So the Open Doors data for last year still has us at 1. Point, uh, let's get the. Let's get the. Uh, Glasses out, 1.057, so not even 1.1 million uh, from the open doors numbers. So um, what these, uh, SEVIS by the numbers has is every international student that's in SEVIS, FM and J's, are recorded in SEVIS, so their, their data is captured on these tables. Uh, now this has all tables, it's even broken down by state. Uh, it's just a, quite comprehensive. It doesn't break out FM and J's, but it does break out by uh, male, female, associate, bachelor's, doctorate, flight school, high school, language training, master's, other other vocational, primary and secondary. And then each state is broken out. So uh, let's let's take a look at what the numbers are from Open Doors and in terms of top sending countries and then from SEVIS by the numbers. So according to Open Doors, we're looking at China, as of uh, 22-23 at 289,526. That uh, is in open doors as that's reporting last year's numbers, 22-23 academic year. China was still number one by about, uh, we're looking at about 21,000 or so. Uh, according to Open Doors last year, 21,000. And we kind of figured that because SEVIS, by the numbers, was still reporting China last fall as as, uh, just ahead of of India. Now, uh, for India was uh, 268, China was at 289 in the data from last year's Open Doors, or the data from last year for this year's Open Doors report. Now, according to SEVIS, by the numbers, for the report that uh, came out in October, India had shot up from 268 uh, from the Open Doors numbers to 338,000 active students in Sevus now. Uh, China is down to uh, 265, so uh, they've basically switched places uh, in the, um, according to the, just looking at Open Doors from last year, China was at 289, and now Sevus by the numbers shows uh, 265 for China. So China's numbers overall are still dropping. Uh, that's a bit of a concern, but we'll talk a little bit later on about the future of the China market uh, as well. But uh, India has surpassed China uh, by a good margin now, uh, with a, a jump of um, a jump of over fifty, almost sixty. 000, well, yeah, sixty plus thousand in the last uh, sixty thousand in the last seventy thousand. Excuse me, seventy thousand in the last year from open doors last year to SEVIS by the Numbers October data. So um, ch- out to round out the top five, uh, we have uh, after China and India in open doors, it was South Korea, Canada, Vietnam. And in the SEVIS by the Numbers, we have after India first, China second, South Korea, Canada, and Brazil, followed by Vietnam. Uh, now this is interesting because in the open doors numbers, uh, the numbers from uh Vietnam are at 21,900. Uh, f- according to SEVIS, uh the numbers for Vietnam are 26,000. For Brazil, uh, the numbers are in open. Uh, Brazil is actually ninth on the list at 16,000. And uh, the numbers in SEVIS are double that. 32,000. So there's a big disconnect some, happening somewhere with Brazilians in the United States uh, that are in SEVIS that are not in the Open Doors numbers. So I don't think Brazil jumped 16,000 in one year uh, from uh, Open Doors 2023 that just came out, the reports last year's numbers, to now uh, uh, 32,000. So interesting. Vietnam is a uh, Seventh, or excuse me, sixth on the uh, "See Us By The Numbers," followed by Nigeria and Taiwan. And on Open Doors, it's Vietnam, Taiwan, Nigeria, then Japan. And Japan, on the uh, is on Open Doors, looking at uh, sixteen thousand, that which was actually a big jump for them last year. Uh, Japan is showing at seventeen thousand nine hundred, so uh, an increase uh, over last year. Open Doors, to "See Us By The Numbers" again, not really apples and apples, but uh, that's, uh, there are some Bangladesh, Nepal, Colombia are ahead of Japan on uh, this, uh, on the SEVIS by the numbers list, uh, but not, uh, uh, again, on the open doors list. So we have some really different numbers happening here. Uh, Saudi Arabian numbers continue to drop. Uh, They may have stabilized, which is a good news. Uh, 15,989 was open doors for 2022-23 academic year and 15,965 currently uh, from October. So Saudi Arabian numbers seem to have stabilized and may be heading uh, back up in the near future. So Turkey is looking at 12,000 in SEVIS by the numbers compared to 8,600 in open doors. So there's some big gaps with some of these major countries. So uh, it'd be really interesting to dr- uh, drill a little deeper and find out where those pockets are. If they're, if they're they're all of a sudden coming in for the Brazilians or coming more for high school now, uh, that might be part of the reason. We'll see, We'll take a look at those numbers here. There's a lot of Brazilians in language training right now. That's according to SEVIS by the Numbers and they uh, have over 10,000 in language training in the United States, according to the SEVIS by the numbers data. And that is uh, af- uh, by far the largest. Uh, Japan is next, or Colombia is next at 6,800, uh, and then uh, goes down from there. So we do have some very very much conflicting data going on from SEVIS by the numbers versus uh, mm-hmm. versus the IIE open doors. So it's always a little bit of a, uh, a shell game, not necessarily a shell game, but certainly apples and oranges when you're looking at these different reports. But certainly there's a lot of value there in terms of um, numbers that for data nerds like me, and some that are even bigger data nerds than me, you get a lot of value out of these uh, this data here. So really encourage you all to check those out. I'm also gonna throw in the link for the IIE Fall Snapshot Survey, uh, wh- again, which t- talks about, uh, which which I mentioned earlier, talks about the, uh, those 600 or so colleges and universities that host about 57% of all international students, according to Open Doors data, uh, that uh, IIE fall snapshot survey is the most cl- closest thing to current data that we can get, which d- did also show us pointing in the right direction. So, what about the hot top level numbers? We talked about 12% was the year on year increase in total number of international students, which is hugely positive. Uh, we also saw for um, for new international students, those numbers uh, jumped 14% this fall, almost 300,000, uh, which would be, the I think it was second largest uh, new international student intake ever, uh, f- second largest increase, 12% overall in 40 years, so we're really seeing uh, numbers now happening for international, new international students coming in, uh, overall numbers growing, moving in a very, very positive direction. Certainly by this time next year, I would assume we're gonna be past our previous peak uh, for our open doors numbers, at least, uh, that came in 2018-19, uh, as we look to have another uh, uh, solid, solid year. And CIVUS uh, by the numbers uh, certainly reflects the more accurate overall numbers, 2.2, or 1.22 million as opposed to the Open Doors numbers that show is 1.05 or 06. So good news all the way around in terms of numbers and across the board, undergraduate, graduate, uh, English language, and OPT all showing uh, increases in the last year. So everything's moving in the right direction for the U.S. So we'll leave that one for now. That's a very long-winded discussion on Open Doors, but it's always a topic every year that does get a lot of traffic, a lot of, a lot more stories this year about the numbers popping up in the news, and not just national news and international news, but uh, also the state and local uh, uh, slices of that. So always good to see that uh, getting coverage. Now let's move on to the second question, which is, how can universities in the Americas partner better? Now this is a topic that, for those who are regular listeners or watchers of our our roundup uh, on Wednesdays, last one I did was actually two weeks ago. I didn't get to do it last week. I was out visiting my dad in, in Massachusetts on Cape Cod. But uh, for the last midweek roundup I did was from uh, the CAIA conference in Las Vegas, which happened the week of uh, November 6th, 7th, and 8th. So uh, that event was for us, as I mentioned, DoorNet Live I uh, did from the con- from the exhibit floor in uh, at the convention. Uh, uh, in the Mirage Hotel in, in Las Vegas. That uh, event was the first time this conference was held in the United States. It is a biennial conference, so every other year. First time it was in the US. Previous one uh, was, uh, was virtual in 2019, or 20, excuse me, 2021 uh, in Santiago, Chile. Uh, n- and before that was in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, the next one will be in San Jose, Costa Rica in two years' time, uh, November 2025, and the, uh, there was a large delegation from Costa Rica, from the universities there, uh, to help promote that event and being, have a presence there. So we are, we're very excited that we ha- we're, the, were the lucky uh, U.S. city to host in Las Vegas, and what better place to hold a convention than in Las Vegas. Uh, there are so many conventions going on every week in Las Vegas. It's hard, hard to get your heads around, and an amazing town to walk around as well. But uh, for us to be able to host that, and for UNLV, who is relatively new to the international game, uh, we've always had international students on campus, but up until three years ago, two and a half years ago, nothing intentional was being done to bring them in. Uh, We had a couple colleges, engineering and hospitality, were doing their own things, signing agreements. Hospitality uh, always drew large numbers because it's the number one program in the US, number one or two in the world, depending on who you ask. Uh, and it's that always brought people in. Las Vegas always brings people in. Uh, it's a, it's a place, a city most people in the world know, uh, and they make it to Las Vegas. They say, "Oh, that's an exciting destination. I'm going to go there." So we had more we were, had more things preventing uh, students from coming than actually encouraging them to. And we've now turned a lot of that around. We're still working on a lot of processes. It's nothing. It's always a work in work, work in process. Uh, to refine and improve the way we do things and that's at UNLV that's part of my job as Director of Global Recruitment and Partnerships, talk about the partnerships in a minute, but the recruitment side is a a campus-wide approach. Uh, We have to and enrollment uh, of those international students is a campus-wide approach and making them successful graduates is a campus-wide initiative. Uh, we're all not on the same page yet. Uh, every, everybody ha- moves at their own pace and uh, has different challenges and resources available to them. So we're trying to bring this uh, whole mentality forward of um, making sure we're all on the same page as we look to bring more students from abroad to our campuses and send more of our students abroad as well. But the question of how can universities in the America partner better, this comes out of that conference, the CAE conference. So for us to be able to host this conference was really what I called, had been calling for on our campus and to anyone who would listen, our coming out party to Latin America. Uh, Latin America obviously is a huge um, uh, influence on the United States in terms of immigration over the last few decades, uh, in terms of where we are in the southwest of the U.S., uh, Nevada has huge uh, immigrant populations from Latin America and we have a Mex- the Mex- one of the Mexican consulate is in, um, in Las Vegas as well. They hosted a reception during the, during the, during the conference as well. So there, there are a lot of natural ties. We're a Hispanic-serving institution, about 30% Hispanic. So we have a lot of reason to be engaging better in, with the Americas. There are universities that have been doing a lot better than us over the years. Uh, we are very, like I said, very new to partnerships in the Americas. Uh, we signed our first three university partnerships uh, with uh, institutions in in Ecuador, in. Uh, Colombia and in Brazil uh, during the conference at the opening reception which we hosted on our campus. The, c- the conference itself happened at the Mirage Hotel but we had the opening reception on campus for all 640 plus uh, registrants from everywhere from Canada to the Caribbean to Chile everywhere in between. Even had a delegation of 28 uh, university representatives from China that were visiting for the conference that got, got to experience our campus as well. And before and after the conference we were doing tours for potential partners, current partners, really giving them a sense of what uh, UNLV is all about. A lot of people came away with really positive uh, visits to to campus, either for that reception or for uh, tours that we did or meetings with faculty, deans, and all of that. Uh, there was a real sense of, oh my goodness, we're actually doing something right here at UNLV. People are res- responding to us. People are commenting on how 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 well our campus looks, uh, how how eager we are to to engage, and there's. A huge to-do list that came out of that conference, and for my for my my responsibilities as partnerships uh, director, I now follow up with those folks that we met with, the ones that we've uh, obviously signed the agreements with, making sure that those turn into productive uh, uh, substantive agreements. So we we partner better when we have opportunities to connect like this, uh, and uh, unfortunately, Cai is uh, every other year uh, event, so. When you're not, if you're not able to go to this one, you want to be in Costa Rica in two years' time uh, if you're looking to engage better in the Americas. But for me, I know uh, there's, there are some of our peer institutions that have been very active in Latin America that we look up to and say, yeah, yeah we need to be like that. Uh, they're peers for us domestically, but we're not in their league uh, uh, internationally yet. They, uh, we we hope to be someday, but we're not there yet. I look at some of them, like UNT in uh, in Texas. Uh, look at uh, Arizona and Univer- Arizona State um, next door uh, to us in Arizona. How well developed their their partnership networks are in the region, and how lacking we are. So we're building str- us uh, the base now. Uh, and also into Mexico, into other Central American countries. Costa Rica is going to be a big one for us. So we're really taking advantage of these, these opportunities to reach out and uh, find the common ground. Uh, some of our programs are really highly sought after. Uh, Some are like business, Uh, they will only work with other, uh, because our business program is AACSB accredited, we're only going to work with other ones, other institutions that are as well. So uh, that's a little bit of a uh, hamper, can not hamper, but it just redirects my energies as we look for potential partners in the region. Uh, Our engineering programs are extremely extremely international, and are very engaged in sustainability and environmental issues, uh, and and have some cutting edge programs that that really attract uh, overseas students, and institutions are eager to partner with them. So hospitality, as I mentioned earlier, is a really big draw for a lot of institutions. So we find some natural affinities with uh, and synergies with institutions in the region. Uh, so we're we're looking to help m- make some substantial progress in the next year when it comes to these partnerships with our uh, partners to the south and north. Uh, there's some Canadian institutions that we're certainly going to be working with as well. The Partners for the Americas, uh, if you're familiar with that organization, it came out of 100,000 Strong in the Americas, a program that uh, the Obama administration launched uh, to gain uh, to encourage more students to to go go study in Latin America from the U.S., and more Latin Americans to come and study in the U.S. universities. So there's a lot lot of of positivity happening there. Um, Very excited that we were able to be a part of that, host host that conference, Uh, but we we see uh, quite a bit more to do. Now uh, let's um, wrap up today with a quick overview of what's happening in China. I mentioned earlier with the Open Doors data that the numbers have uh, dropped again for China overall. Uh, but we're seeing uh, some some signs that uh, things are turning around. Uh, one of those is uh, related to just a, a general attitude coming out of China that they are eager to reengage uh, with us uh, in a number of ways, bilaterally on, uh, on partnerships. So that, that I mentioned in June, uh, we went there with, I went with my provost and one of our business professors. We signed agreements with four top universities in China to hopefully Build some more substantial uh, projects. Um, Our provost is going to China uh, for a couple uh, for a week or so uh, to follow up on some of the uh, some of the um, some of the uh, discussions we had when we were there in June. Uh, We are really all in for China in terms of engaging again and not letting uh, any uh, past. uh, challenges or political tensions really derail our efforts, Uh, so we're we're doing all we can to keep them up. Uh, The bright light I was talking about, uh, if you read this University World News article, uh, it's from a colleague who's uh, been quite active. She regularly uh, uh, writes for uh, University World News, uh, Xiaofeng Wan. Uh, is uh, Associate Dean of Admissions and coordinator, or excuse me, he is uh, the coordinator of International Recruitment at Amherst College in Massachusetts. So uh, he regularly surveys counselors and agents in, in China, uh, particularly uh, pan parents as well. Uh, they are seeing, or his uh, latest uh, survey results are showing some fairly significant uh, positive, uh, positives in terms of numbers. Uh, and this is the one caveat I always give to the, these numbers uh, these surveys that are coming out is that, that they are uh, still eager to go abroad and that um, that the uh, are we going to see a rebound uh, you, we, we, we do see that the numbers of high school graduates that, through international schools, the ones that are most likely to go abroad are, are, are going to be increasing significantly in the next couple of years so there's hope that uh, we could be seeing uh, a rebound there so we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled on that one for future reference uh, but uh, there's the, the issues of safety are still there uh, but you do see signs from the China side institutionally they're looking to build partnerships again because uh, they they've, they've been absent for three or four years from the world scene in terms of actively engaging and having vote having visitors but we I, I think that the light is still on there for and possibilities for for uh, for growth in China, but, uh, certainly rebounding, not back to 2016, 17 levels, but certainly uh, there's opportunities that we will see uh, increasing waves of students again coming from uh, behind the Great Wall. So that's all we have for you here uh, on the roundup for this week of uh, uh, week's edition on November 22nd. I appreciate all of you who've been paying attention throughout through the last half hour or so. I appreciate your uh, subscribing to uh, the podcast if you're listening to the audio-only version. And those watching on repeats on YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, or Twitter, I uh, really appreciate you making time uh, to for these, uh, these roundups each week. So until next week, uh, we wish you the very best and have a very happy Thanksgiving. Cheers.